2: It's just way more important than you think it is. What Look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You, you want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry
0: This is The Jesse Kelly Show.
2: When is the last time you burnt yourself on the oven? Or the stove? Or the grill? A burn like that? Do you remember it? You probably don't remember the exact date, let's be honest. Our, our minds don't work that way but i bet you what you do remember is at least for the next time or two after you burnt yourself aren't you a little more careful around the oven of course then you forget about it like i do too and then you go you'll burn yourself again in the air. and you ah ooh and then the next couple times you're a lot more ginger when you're setting something in The human mind is conditioned over time. It is conditioned over time to fear certain things, to love certain things, to hate certain things, and our bad experiences, all of them, whatever the case may be, are bad experiences, our mind makes adjustments to try to avoid those experiences ever again. How many different ways have you seen this in your life? Maybe it's uh maybe it's maybe it's with women, maybe it's with men. I knew a guy. He he had a bad drinking problem. He used to scream at me. Now you won't date anybody who has a drink. Manifests itself in all kinds of good ways, bad ways. It's just Ugly, right? Hang on to that for a moment. I want you to imagine something. Picture this for me. I want you to imagine it's World War II era, only there's no invasion of Russia. There's no holocaust. There's no Italian campaign. There's just this country called Germany. Bit of a wingnut dude in charge of it. Gets a little full of himself. Invades Poland. Takes Poland. And then turns around and invades France. And gets the crap kicked out of him. Kicked out of office. Probably imprisoned prison Somewhere. Germany gets a new government. Life goes on. Now, I know what you're thinking. Why would I imagine such a thing? Well, here's why you should imagine such a thing. Because right before the Nazi invasion of France, that was the likely scenario. Hitler's own general staff, if you had asked them, in fact, they were screaming about it before. If you had asked them what was going to be the result of the German invasion of France, they would have told you to a man, we are going to get crushed. This is going to end our nation. And think about the people who would be alive today if that had happened. If you want to, if you want to just make it about lives, forget the property, which it's got, I don't even know if you can put a number on that much property. But think about the lives that would still be walking the earth this day. The Holocaust alone, I'm almost positive. Jewish producer, Chris, you may know this. I'm pretty sure there are still fewer Jews alive today than there were pre-Holocaust. I think they killed so many of them by a million or so. Yeah, that's right. Setting aside the Jews, Russians, 25 million dead Russians. Now, Imagine all their kids. And now, since we're so far later, their kids' kids. How many more people are walking the earth? A hundred million? Two hundred million? It's a lot. Now, none of that had to happen. And I'm about to go into the reasons why. Why? And I'm not big on disclaimers. In fact, as you know, I pretty much hate disclaimers most of the time. Why? Because it seems like everybody on our side, not everybody, that's not fair, too many people on our side are constantly playing defense with things that they shouldn't even pay any attention to. Racism is a great example of that for people on the right. The left—it's their narrative, right? People on the right are racist. The GOPs racist. Trump's fans are Nazis. The GOPs Nazis. Republicans are Nazis. Nazi, 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 Nazi. You know, you've heard it all. You go into black communities that that vote overwhelmingly, ninety percent Democrat. They have been told that their whole lives too. They watch the news. They watch CNN. Republicans are Nazis. Civil rights leaders, Republicans are racist, Republicans are Nazis. So it's everywhere. It's, it's all over the media. Well, that's just kind of the way it is. Republicans are Nazis. Republicans are racist. And what do you see as a result from that? You see all these GOP pundits and politicians putting in policies and, th- and saying things as if they have to prove they're not. Well, I've this is you remember that Ahmad Arbery arbory case in Georgia. Look, by all accounts, it looks like murder, maybe manslaughter, a horrible shoot. I'm not defending it all, but immediately, every Republican pundit and politician comes out. This is a modern day lynching. This is racism. I can't believe we still have this racism. It's racism. There's, there's not even. To this point, it may come out, but to this point, there's not even a tiny indication it was in any way race-based. Not even a little. But you feel like you have to constantly defend against this image somebody's made for you. Don't defend yourself against things that aren't true. You can call me a racist all day long. I'm not going to defend myself. I'm just going to ignore you. I don't care. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Your opinion is unimportant to me. Your opinion is not important to me for me to defend myself against things that aren't true. So I hate qualifiers. I hear them all the time. Dude, just have an opinion. Just talk about something. Well, I understand this might not be my place. Oh, my goodness, dude. Speak. You'll hear I have guests on now and then like that. You know what you won't hear? Them coming on a second time. I actually had a guest on one time. I asked this person a question. This was a long time ago, so don't bother listening. I asked this person a question. And this person said back to me, "I and I I kid you not, and I quote, I don't know. What do you think? I'm not making that up. I cut off the interview immediately. The person's never been back on. I'm not doing that to you. Have an opinion. I don't care if it's one I disagree with. Speak. So that was a very, very, very long way of saying this. I was accused yesterday of being a bit of a Napoleon fanboy. <laughs> and I'm kind of guilty. Yes, I understand there were lots of people died. I get that. But one, I didn't know any of those people. And two, it's not that I'm a Napoleon fanboy. I admire greatness. And by any measure, military, the man was spectacular. I admire greatness. I study it as much as I possibly can. I also am not one of these people who has ever been under the impression that great men who do great things are good men. In fact, I accept automatically they are almost undoubtedly bad men. Oh, did you hear about Michael Jordan? You you love his documentary. Did you hear he was he was he was, you know, a huge philanderer? Yeah, I expected as much. And if you think that your favorite sports star isn't Brother, I've got some news for you. Hang on. We need to talk about Boomer Naturals. You see, it's got a funny name, (laughs) (laughs) but it's got the best stuff in the world. And look, they call it that because it's specifically for the baby boomer generation, although they have something for everybody. And they call it that because they use natural products. And doesn't that matter to you at this time? I can't believe all the good stuff I've found on Boomer Naturals. I don't like putting a bunch of man-made chemicals in my body. I don't. Plus... They have face masks, good ones, face masks that give you 92.2% antibacterial protection. That is incredible. And they don't have any of this one size fits all garbage. They have good ones for adults and kids. Many your kid doesn't have to wear an entire face covering. Go to boomernaturals.com. Use the promo code Jesse two zero. You get 20% off boomer Naturals. Okay, a bit of a Napoleon lover. I was accused of being after yesterday. You don't want to miss yesterday's show. So I will admit when I was doing some reading for today, and I've always thought this way about this, I was thinking to myself, man, two days in a row, I'm going to be accused of being some kind of French lover because I am about to defend the nation of France. Don't scoff. I see what you're doing. I love all the French white flag jokes, too. I love all the French people are weak, too, but... France going down at the Battle of France, you know, when Germany invaded France, and going down relatively easily, it's thought to be one of, if not the biggest, military disasters ever. And one of the biggest blunders ever, and how weak and pathetic it is. And the French people were throwing down their arms and. I'm about to give you the real skinny on what happened, but first let us rewind just a little bit because you cannot possibly understand what happened at the battle of France without talking about world war one. Now I need you to picture something for me first. I want you to picture 40% of the American male population having gone through a living hell war that you can't even imagine. That was France post-World War I. As I have explained to you several times, I will say it till the end of my days. I certainly could be wrong because I can't be there. But if you had to put me in one combat situation that I would say is the worst in the history of mankind, and I mean Spears and shields and shoving a spear through someone's neck and getting one shoved through yours. That kind of horrifying fear. Being on the Western Front in World War One in the trenches is, my, in my opinion, the worst wartime experience anyone has ever gone through, ever. Ever. An experience of being gassed to death, and way, almost worse than that, the artillery, because they didn't quite know how to use it yet, so they would just drop endless shells, even if you didn't die. We have, and I've told you before to look it up, feel free to do it while I speak. There are YouTube videos out there of guys who got a bunch of shells around them in World War I, got shelled a bunch, didn't get hit and you see them post-war trying to get treatment, they can hardly walk. It's like their joints don't work. We're talking a war that was so damaging it would break you without a round hitting you. Horrifying, horrifying loss of life. We lost 55,000 people in Vietnam. The British lost 55,000 people in about four hours at the Battle of the Somme carnage like you can't believe, machine guns, they didn't know what they were doing, waves. And France, contrary to what you and I like to believe and make fun of them for, brother, France took that war on the chin from beginning to end. France was involved in it. France was in the meat grinder of it. France lost more men by a mile than any other nation on earth. France lost 1.7 million people in world war one. I'm almost positive. The United States of America has not lost 1.7 million people in all of our wars combined. Period. I'm almost positive of that. I think 600,000 civil war, 400,000 world war two at everybody else. I bet you it's a close number. Chris look that up. But it's close. France was knee-deep in that slaughter. You know the Americans, us, we were involved in World War I in combat for about nine months. Now we look at everything through the view of America, and that's fine. That's good. We should be patriots. But France was there 1914 to the end of it, baby, taking that German- juggernaut of an army, some people say the greatest army of all time and going blow for blow with them. And over 2% of France's population died. Over 2%. Put that into frame of reference for you here. That would be like the United States of America going to war today. A big one. Four years later, us losing twelve million people. What do you think our society would be like if we sent off twelve million people to their deaths? And oh, did I mention the people who didn't die but came back? Remember that YouTube video video I told you back about mentally shattered. Physically shattered, especially because of the artillery. There were so many gruesome, gruesome, but non-fatal injuries. You're welcome to go look that up too. There are plenty of pictures online. I wouldn't recommend doing that around a meal. And France stood there toe-to-toe with Germany. And prior to that... The reason I sound like a French defender is uh, we just talked about Napoleon yesterday when they were beating the living crap out of everybody. France has a long, 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 long history, but militarily militarily until World War II France didn't have anything to be ashamed of, Jack. Not a daggone thing. (laughs) Again, I'm not some French defender, but Not a daggone thing. Remember this. More Brits and French and Italians died in World War I than World War II. The reason you think of World War II on the grand scale you think of it is three reasons. One, the Holocaust. Two, we were actually attacked on our soil. And three, the Russian campaign, which skewed all the numbers way, way out of whack. World War I was, by many accounts, the greater conflict, in my opinion. An ugly, ugly affair. And France, buddy, France was a baller during that war. And here's what happened in World War I before we get up to the Battle of France for World War II. Now, this is going to be important. Important. And I try not to bore you with mind-numbing details and geography stuff. You know I don't do that. I don't bore you with a million names. It's not because the names aren't important. You should learn the names if that's your thing. But they get lost. It's always driven me crazy when somebody tells me a story. Did you know General MacArthur? He was right there with his 1st Army Corps, General Johnson, and he was working with General Ironside of the Britain side. And and, and General, okay, I'm I'm already confused. General who, what, who was with? I don't. So I don't do it. Maybe that's your thing. I don't do it. But this part is going to be important for you to learn. So pay attention. I need you to picture Germany. I need you to picture France. Germany is on the right as you look at the map. France is on the left as you look at the map. You with me so far? Pretty easy, right? Germany in the east, France in the west. That's where we go. Germany and France right next to each other and at the very top in between them the very top there's this little place called Belgium and Luxembourg but we're going to focus on Belgium for our purposes hang on one sec France on the left, Germany on the right, Belgium up there in between them at the very tippy top. Now, understand they're a little cattywampus, <laughs> to put it weirdly. France is a little lower than Germany, what you're looking at right there, but that's not going to matter for our purposes. Let's keep it simple. Okay. Now, in World War One, Germany... I mean, this this actually, isn't actually a World War I story, but we can't tell our story without telling the World War I one briefly. Germany, they knew they were going to have to take on France and Russia. I'm not going to get into all the reasons. We'll do that another day. And what they needed to do was quickly, quickly knock France out of the war. Well, France had a bunch of troops along that French-German border they're not stupid. And up near Belgium, where the you know French it had to go France, then Belgium, then Germany, they didn't really. And Germany had a plan called the Schlieffen Plan, where they were going to storm through Belgium, whether the Belgians were, would allow them to or not. Belgium actually eventually said, no, you can't. And then Germany said, uh, actually, we can. And then wiped out their entire country for it. And the plan was to storm through Belgium, storm into France, knock out France. Then you can turn and face Russia because you don't want to fight a two-front war. That was the Schlieffen plan. And they attempted it. I don't know whether you'd call it a failure. But I guess you can call it a failure because it did most definitely did not knock out France. But that's where, obviously, France stopped them up there. Once they got onto French soil, and then you began World War I. Now, this part's going to come into play, too, so pay attention. The French people, like anybody with national pride, and sadly, I feel, I feel like some people today may not understand such a thing, but especially back in these days, France had a lot of national pride in France, in their nation. And this is important. World War I was not fought in Germany. World War I was fought in France. Those lines, all those trenches, all those things you saw, those were in France. World War I was fought on French soil. That famous battle, Verdun, one of the worst places you could ever be in human history, the Germans actually chose that place specifically because the French loved it so much for its history. It was such a cultural landmark. The Germans specifically chose it because they knew we could just wreck the place and it'll drive the French insane. The French had a lot of pride in France. In the, in the history of France. And there's so much history of France. And that was a Well, that was an ugly bit of business for them because all those trenches, all those those holes left after those endless artillery shells. Verdun, I just mentioned, you know, at some point, I don't know if there are pictures of this. I've never looked it up. They say Verdun was this thickly forested place at the beginning of the battle, and by the time it was over, There was not a single tree left. I'm not exaggerating. Not a single tree. The artillery had made the place a moonscape. You remember that. That was World War I. So France kicks off World War I. All these bloody battles. Everybody knows the story. Horrible. They finally sign the Treaty of Versailles. We're not going to go into that disaster again. But... We move on from World War I, and now this is where things start to get a little lost. The truth, I should say, starts to get a little lost. People are a little confused what happened next. There's this way of thinking that France was just sitting there munching on some croissants while Hitler took power in Germany pulled Germany from the ashes and began to secretly build up this military juggernaut and France and Britain had no idea. I just think they're planting grapes. I don't think they're building tanks. Totally, totally wrong. They knew. They weren't quite sure what they should do about it. They weren't quite sure what he was going to do about it, but they knew. Oh, and there's another way of thinking that France so mentally scarred and damaged and poor from World War 1, they basically give up gave up being a military at all. <sighs> they disbanded their army and they all went and made graham crackers. Uh nope. France was well aware, well aware that it had to stay on top of their military technology of their military ability they were always they were well aware of what could happen if they didn't they knew what germany was doing france was churning out tanks churning out planes churning out one of the best bombers the world has ever seen britain too britain was all over this they were all over making sure they were squared away and so we get to World War II or the beginning of World War II. And here's the deal. You and I both do this because we weren't there and we can't put ourselves in the middle of a timeline. We are looking from the lens of 2020. Not the vision, the year. We're looking back and all we see is, well, I mean, the, the Nazi army, this big, evil Evil thing, full of full of Jew hating Nazis, and it was also this evil war machine with blood dripping fangs. Uh, slow down, slow down. Adolf Hitler was a Jew hating Nazi demon. Adolf Hitler surrounded himself. Lots of his people were Jew hating Nazi demons. Himmler, the rest of them. There's no question. I'm not denying that. Not would never deny the atrocities. But understand this, everybody in the German military was not some Jew-hating Nazi demon. In fact, much of the German military, especially the big cheeses, all the generals, they didn't care about Jews. They didn't care about Nazism at all. And in fact, they had four years of experience fighting wars in World War I. What I'm trying to tell you is... Germany, at the beginning of World War II, at the beginning, was led by studs. Not even Nazis either. Some Nazis in there, sure. But Germany was led by extremely capable generals with worlds and worlds of experience. Now, before we kick off our Battle of France here... Remember what we talked about about how history has a has a way of being rewritten. There's that way of thinking that France just turned and ran and laid down and weren't militarily ready. Um, France and France and Britain they were combined fighting this fight had easily more troops than the Germans by a mile. They had more tanks than the Germans by a mile. Oh, and did I mention the tanks they did have were far superior than the German tanks at the beginning of the war? Remember, everything's through a lens of 2020. At the end of the war, Germany had these great uh, the Generation 4, I'm going to call them Panzers. In the beginning, they had Generation 1 and 2, and they sucked, especially compared to France's. France had tanks that were way better than Germany's. They had fighter pilots that were as good or better than anything Germany had, and they had a lot more of them. And their pilots were way better than Germany's. Hang on a second. phone pro you need one i know you don't want to have to buy something else but let me explain something to you think about your phone maybe it's in your hand maybe it's in your pocket maybe it's sitting beside you now think about all the places that phone has been think about all the places your hands have been and then you touched your phone then you talked on your phone then you set your phone down i'll tell you personally my phone is sitting beside me on this countertop i don't know when the last time this countertop was cleaned. Maybe never. That's not an exaggeration. Your phone has more germs on it on average than a public restroom. You need a clean phone pro because it uses UVC lights to completely disinfect your phone. Now, go to AmericaFirstShop.com and get a clean phone pro and don't forget to use the code JESSE at checkout. You get free two-day FedEx shipping. AmericaFirstShop.com. Now remember, I'm not exaggerating. I know you may have even gone and looked it up because you've been told, right? You've been told time and time again. Germany, this military juggernaut at the beginning of World War II when storming through those pasty French who weren't even close to being. I know. Don't look. I ain't mad at you. That's what I was taught my whole life. Yeah, it's completely false. Uh, France and Britain combined. Uh, shoot, France alone. But definitely France and Britain combined because they were combined right now had by far more troops more planes, better planes, more tanks, better tanks, a superior Navy by a mile. Not only that, they had all the supplies because of the British Navy, so they could just sit and siege Germany and lock them down and strangle them to death, kind of the same way they did in World War I. Germany, when they invaded Poland, again, because we look at everything through through you know, our lens, We're all like, oh, man, that was the beginning of Germany storming through Europe. Uh, They invaded Poland, and Hitler did not think Britain would actually declare war. He was despondent when he found out they did, and his generals told him, we are done. This is it for us. We are in no way, in no way ready to take on Britain and France. They weren't even considering America or Russia at this time. Germany, after they invaded Poland, was in a horrible military situation. They were toast. On top of that, Hitler now decides that he wants to invade France. His general staff freaked out. We have all their memoirs after the fact, and I mean to a man, they were all, I'm sorry, what? Invade France. Did you say invade France? We can't invade France. They're going to beat the crap out of us. On top of the fact, France had the Maginot line. Let us go back to the map that we talked about earlier. Remember, you got Germany on the right. You got France on the left. You got Belgium up there on the top in between them. Remember before in World War I when Germany went storming through Belgium? You remember the reason they went storming through Belgium at the top instead of just crossing over the border? Because the French had a strong border. Yeah, that strong border from World War I got a lot stronger. They built one of the military wonders of the world. It was called the Maginot Line and I've never seen it I don't know how much of it still exists. If you know something about it or you've seen it and it's awesome, email me now. Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. So I've never seen that. I don't know if it still exists, but it was essentially this. A long, 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 long line of forts. Only... Because of artillery and the advances in technology, it wasn't forts like you and I think of forts, you know, big walls and stuff. They were underground, and the forts had 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 artillery weapons that would rise and fall and machine gun pillboxes that were built into the ground. And this entire thing's underground, and it's all interconnected. So there's a kitchen and a field hospital, and it, it has a railway that connects all the forts. It just sounds like something I would geek out on, and my wife would roll her eyes the entire time we were going through it. It just it sounds incredible. And Germany knew there was this Maginot line there. Like I said, it got stronger. And France had reserves behind the Maginot line. Part of any defense is you keep people in reserves behind it because inevitably the defense is going to fail someplace you can't foresee. De- reserves run up. Reinforce it. You're good to go. So Germany's all, oh, gosh, well, pfft. we can't invade there. Just the same reason we couldn't invade there before. We, just, we can't do it, right? We can't do it. Well, what are we going to do? Let's go through Belgium again. A lot of them were, were telling Hitler, let's go through Belgium again. And Hitler, to his credit, for all the military blunders he made, they used to scoff at him. His generals would scoff at him behind his back and call him the corporal. Because that's what he was in World War I. You have all these people, all these generals there. And remember, Germany had amazing generals, especially in World War I. But they had plenty in World War II, too. And these guys were, look, they just knew how to do military. Then They knew how to train their generals. And these were guys who'd spent a career on tactics and logistics and stuff like that. And Hitler would come in and be like, no, we're not doing that. And They would look at him like, oh, gosh, this guy is an idiot. He's going to get us all killed. But to his credit, when he told them, come up with a plan to invade France, and they all brought him their plans, everybody almost to a man brought him virtually the same plan they'd used in World War I. We can't cross that Maginot line. Let's go through Belgium. We'll blow them out through there. Try to storm through France. Let's do the best we can. And again, I can't stress this enough. They were supposed to lose this battle. By any account, if you look at this on paper and even strategically, you can war game it all day long. And they did. They were supposed to lose this. This was a stupid decision on Hitler's part. Suicidal. Until, well, it generally only takes one brilliant mind. And there was a guy who had a plan. Hang on, I'll tell you that plan. That feeling, you know, the feeling when you lay down at night and you've had a long day and you're tired and it's time to finally put your feet up, get under the covers and relax and go to sleep. And then your mind starts going nuts. It happens to me all the time. You think about the day you just had. I think about my show. I've got to do the next morning. I think about the wife, kids depression, pandemic, whatever the case may be, your mind starts going and then you start getting frantic and then it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And soon, you know for a fact, man, tomorrow's going to suck because I'm not going to be me. There's a new solution out there, a drug-free solution out there. It's called EBSleep. You put it on your head. It applies precise, continuous cooling to your forehead, putting you to sleep and keeping you asleep. Go to tryeb.com slash jesse. Use the code jesse at checkout. You get 25 bucks off. Hopefully I never start off another sentence like this, but again, Hitler to his credits. He rejected all those plans. That involves storming through Belgium again. He rejected them. They brought him, the big shot generals that knew it all brought him several plans like that, and he said, That is just like the Schlieffen plan. They're gonna see that coming. Give me something new. Give me something else. And they didn't know what else to give him. They didn't. What do we do here? Oh, well, we can't go to the Maginot line, and Hitler doesn't want us to go through Belgium. What in the world are we gonna do? until one man comes up with a plan. Now, remember that picture of Germany, France, and Belgium? Well, here's the thing. The Maginot Line is running north and south. You have Belgium up there running east and west. Again, that's very simplified, but I'm making this as easy as possible because I know you're not staring at a map. There is, however, a gap In between that Maginot line and Belgium, a gap where there are only some really light French troops, kind of the worst troops they had. That's where they stashed them. Now, I know what you're thinking. Jesse, how could France be so stupid as to stash their worst troops there? This is why they lost. It's understandable why they stashed their worst troops there. I will explain in just a second.
0: Jesse Kelly show. This is the Jesse Kelly show.
2: Remember, you got Belgium up top, you got the the heavily defended Maginot, Maginot line on the other side. But right in between, you have the Ardennes Forest. Now, the Ardennes Forest was nasty. As you can imagine, there are trees, lots of them, hills, border, border, borderline mountains, and rivers. Now, not to geek out on military stuff too much for you here, but rivers are a major, major, major problem in military campaigns. It's something they will scout out ahead of time long before movements because you have to figure out a way across rivers. If there are only a few ways in place across rivers, you have to assume anybody with half a brain defensively is going to blow those bridges. It's a big deal. And if they do blow the bridges, guess what? You got to have a plan for that too. You got all these tanks. You got all these men. You got all these trucks. You got all these things. They can't just hover across the river. They have to take a bridge, either the one that's there or one you build fast. I'm not going to go off on this now because I can talk about this guy all day long, but one of my favorite stories ever is Julius Caesar going up to the Rhine River because he was mad at the Germans and wanted to go slap him around. And using ancient Roman technology from before Christ, builds a bridge across the Rhine River in nine days. I, There aren't many things that sound that boring that I would love to go back and see. I just want to go back and see how that is even humanly possible. Nine days, then he crosses the river, goes and beats up a bunch of Germans, goes back across the river and destroys the bridge as a way of saying, screw you, I can come back and do this whenever I feel like this wasn't something special. This was a, this was a Saturday afternoon for me. Peace. That's awesome. (laughs) That's awesome. But either way, bridges are important and Germany figures out what they're going to do and here's the plan. You see France, they're mad at Germany, they know Germany's probably coming and what does France French do what does France do? Instead of putting more men on the Maginot line, you don't need them there. They stack all of their men and equipment and top tier troops Up in Belgium and they put them in Belgium, I should say, because again, remember what we talked about earlier, how world war one was fought in France and there was, there was still so much battle scarring there. They didn't want that ever again. No, please never again. Not on French soil. So they put all their shock troops, all those amazing tanks. I told you about everything up into Belgium. They've got the Maginot line. We're good to go. These Germans are screwed, except the Germans were not screwed. The Germans had a plan and that plan involved doing a gigantic fake up north, sending several troops, mind you, just not the best ones and not the bulk of them up north up towards that Belgium area so the French would be like, see, I knew they were coming this way, these idiots. And then blowing through the Arden Forest. And this is where you start to hear about that Blitzkrieg strategy. Everybody talks about it now. Everyone knows about the Blitz in football. And everybody's heard the word Blitzkrieg. And Blitzkrieg means this and Blitzkrieg means that. Here's what Blitzkrieg essentially means. One, there are actual objectives to it. It's more than just some defensive coordinator in football screaming and slobbering at his linebacker to go hit the quarterback. A blitzkrieg essentially wants to get into a nation and seize its communications and seize its supply. It has two main objectives. And picture this. Picture we were invaded by Mexico tomorrow You don't know exactly what's going on, do you? I mean, are you on the border? Are you flying overhead with some kind of radar plane? No, you're not. What would you do? You would turn on the news. Now imagine on the news as you turn it on is some Mexican general saying we control your country now. Season communications. You see what I mean? And you're like, whoa, maybe that's a fake. Uh, okay, look. Hey, we better stock up on Kraft Mac. Looks like the Mexicans are here. And you hop in your car and drive down to the grocery store, and the Mexicans are have control of the parking lot. What would you think? You'd think the Mexicans have control of the country. That's, in essence, what the Blitzkrieg is. And the part of it about really being blitzy is the Germans had this famous saying, and it sounds really cool, don't get me wrong, but it can bite you in the rear end, and did later for them, but it sounds cool. They didn't like the way we did combat a lot, and they kind of made fun of us, saying Americans feel with their fingers when they should smash with their fist. Which, look, even though you're rooting for America and not the dirty Germans, you're like, oh, that's kind of cool, right? Smash with the fist. Yeah, baby. It can get you in a pickle, but there's a reason you do some feeling with your fingers first. (laughs) So you don't smash your fist into a cinder block. But really, this was the Blitzkrieg's masterpiece here. They tore through the Ardenne Forest. The French, because, well, let's be honest. Remember, touching that hot stove, the French didn't want to blow the bridges. The French, the people in charge of the French army, these were all people who were witnesses to the absolute carnage of World War I. And they didn't want to blow the bridges. They couldn't blow the bridges. And Germany tore across the bridges. They focused all their planes, all their crappy tanks, and they were crappy tanks, all in this one area. And they essentially blew the French off the map. Only took about a month. And I know you have a million and one questions. Some I can answer. Some I can't. Why didn't they turn around and try to attack down south? Understand this. When Germany blew through the Arden Forest, they didn't march right through to Paris. Not immediately anyway. And they certainly could have turned around and counterattacked with all these great troops and tanks that are just sitting up there in Belgium. What are you doing? Turn around and go! Well, the French leader called Winston Churchill as soon as the Germans blew through the Ardennes Forest and told him, we are defeated. Wait, what? You still have like your whole army. What do you mean you're defeated? One of the French generals fired a bullet into his mouth. Finally, it took a British general, Ironside, to essentially grab a French general by the front of his coat and say, What are you doing? Turn around. We have to counterattack. What are you doing? They finally attacked separately. And understand this. The French then went and fought valiantly, at least the troops on the ground. We're talking to the last man. You know that famous story of Dunkirk? Everybody knows that, right? Where the where the Brits were trying to escape after the fall of France, and they end up in Dunkirk, and the Germans are closing in, and the English have to send all these fishing boats across the channel to evacuate all their dudes. Everybody knows the Dunkirk story. Do you know why there even was an option for Britain to escape? It's because the French... The ones we laugh at, the white flag loser French, they were dying to the last man against the Germans. But they had no leadership. The leadership that they did have, they didn't have any will left. They couldn't bear the thought. In the wave of it, in the face of an onslaught like that, they couldn't even stand up and entertain another World War One. And what's the lesson from that? Hang on. About to save you some money and improve your life, I know that sounds a little bit extreme, but listen to me. You are a better you when you sleep, and you are a disaster when you don't sleep. How do I know that? Because that's my story. I know exactly what it's like. When I don't sleep, I'm not sharp on the radio. I can't form thoughts, I can't form sentences. Shoot, I'm mean. I'm short tempered with people, and I don't want to be that guy. As soon as I'm done being that guy, I think to myself, I got to get some more sleep, and that's why I'm so happy I found Ebb sleep. It's not drugs. You know how I feel about drugs. It's a drug-free solution that targets your sleeplessness, those thoughts that cause your sleeplessness. Go to tryeb.com. That's tryebb.com slash jesse. Use the code jesse at checkout. You actually get 25 bucks off your order. Try ebb.com slash Jesse promo code Jesse. Go get an Ebb sleep today. France didn't lay down in World War II. The French troops were there. The equipment was there. France knew it was coming. France, by every account, by every metric, should have blown Germany off the map, especially France and Britain combined. It was a, frankly, we don't talk about it because it was victorious. It was an idiotic military decision by Hitler. But they did it. They pulled it off. And now because we look at everything the way we look at it we look at the French as a bunch of surrender monkeys those weak French no what France was was rotten at the top the French troops were great as let's be honest as they have been for centuries the French troops were valiant French troops were amazing. The French were led by people. I'm actually not going to be insulting to them. You could call them, you know, cowards or weak or anything like that. It's not that. The truth is, France was led by men who'd been destroyed on the inside. By World War One. That's all there is to it. The country itself. It couldn't bear to hurt any more landmarks in France. It couldn't bear the thought of going on the aggressive uh, France French France should have attacked Germany after it after Germany invaded Poland. By all accounts, they should have attacked Germany. They probably would have stormed right in. Did you know when Germany was beating the crap out of Poland that they had almost nobody behind in between them and France? France could have taken that sweet army and just marched on to Berlin. Game over, war over. France couldn't bear the thought of another World War I. And that isn't explained by just the one-month battle of France. When you have that kind of institutional rot at the top, you want to do things like explain it away, like we've always done. Oh, the week. That takes time. It takes experiences, plural, over and over and over again, to rot out your general staff like that, to rot out your leadership like that. You see, I've been absolutely slammed by your emails the past few days. Jesse at com, Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. I've been slammed by these emails of, Jesse, how did we let this happen? Jesse, what did we do? I mean, we got another 3 million unemployed today. That. that takes us to 36 million. As you know, I'm not going to beat you up over it now. That's, that, that real number is well over 50 million. That these lockdowns, people, I can't put it nicely for you. It's the most disastrous decision in the history of the United States of America. There's a reason no nation has ever done it. Businesses can. And will adjust to recessions. They'll adjust to pandemics. Even during the Spanish flu, when the factories opened and people were too scared, about half the people would actually show up to the work. To work. The other half were scared. Okay, they marched on. They adjusted. They... Businesses can adjust to pandemics and recessions and wars. When you've told a business, close your doors, you've given them no option. Why are we seeing... Employment losses, job losses like we have never seen before don't even come close to making the comparison to the Great Depression. This is so much worse than anything we saw in the Great Depression. It's not even close because even during the Great Depression, during the Spanish flu, during the Great Recession, no government pointed a finger at its own citizens and said, go home, stop producing. Because you can't. It's just not an option. It is never an option. It's the it's the you know those, those the movies where the bad guy has an evil lair and the good guys are finally breaking in, and he reaches over and presses the self destruct button to make sure he blows everybody up. That's what locking down your economy is. You never hit that button unless you're walking out the door. You never hit that button. And I've had all these people ask me, how could we do this? How could we let ourselves do this? Jesse, how could Congress do this? How could this mayor? How could Trump? How could the governors? How could the American people stand for this? The, the answer is, this took time to get the American people, to get the American politicians conditioned to do something like this. There isn't an easy explanation I can give you of, oh, it's because of this, period. This is years, years, decades of Americans forgetting what it means to be free through our education system, through our own negligence, through the media, whatever you want to call it, Americans forgetting what it is to be free, Americans Losing any concept of spending, of what the dollar actually means, of debt, of deficits. People scream about it, but let's be honest. You and I, the human mind can't comprehend what a trillion dollar is. Trillion dollars is. It's a number so big you quite literally cannot comprehend it. They just passed a $2 trillion bill. The money's already vanished like a fart in the wind. And hardly anybody's even yelling about it. $2 trillion. At any other point in the history of the United States of America, they'd be marching on the Capitol with pitchforks if you passed a $2 trillion bill of any kind. And now we're so weak, unaware. We're so out of touch with the reality of life. We're so out of touch with the reality of the hardships of life. Let's be honest. Do you do you want to know what happens in a nation that financially collapses? Do you know how bad that is? It's oftentimes, not sometimes, it is oftentimes with a complete financial collapse. It is The end of that nation, the end of that nation, they just flat out, they'll they'll just flat out break up. That's if you're lucky. If you're not lucky, somebody come in and conquer you. That's the history of the world. And for a lot of reasons, for a long time, we lost that. You ask me, what's the answer? Why did we agree to this? Why did the politicians do it? Why did the American people bow down to for it? People, it's a long, long list of reasons. The truth is, it happened when we forgot about who we are. Lock down this, lock down that. What? We're Americans. Go screw yourself. You're not locking me down. I'll go open my business. Come try to make me close it. We forgot who we were. And it's taken a long time. You don't forget in a day. It takes a long, long time to get there. But here we are, man. Here we are. Hopefully, hopefully there are people out there who will come save us. One of the few, and I mean few people, who have been a sane voice throughout this entire process, Mr. Wayne Dupree of the Wayne Dupree Show. Wayne, we, we got three million more unemployed Americans today. I'm staring at a line of cars that looks like it's thousands at a food bank to pick up emergency food. Wayne, people oh. out there are shocked today about this. Um, should they be shocked?
3: No. No. And I mean, and if people are shocked, then people have been living under a rock. I mean, but if you are looking at all, the, I mean,
2: dang, that's
3: a lot. That's a lot, man. Mm-hmm.
2: It's a lot. That and it, is a lot. And it's always it's, what, what's driven me nuts this whole this whole time, Wayne, is people have made this. And look, I'm a, I'm a right wing hack. I don't I don't pretend to be otherwise. I'm not some journalist. I can't stand leftists, <laughs> but uh, this has not been a partisan issue. Now, the leftists have made it no. partisan, but this has not been a leftist right. versus right. right thing. This has been a class issue where the working man and poor people have been screwed by the decision-makers in the pundit class in this country, and that's what's driven me nuts, Wayne, is the callousness of it. Stay home, shut up, peasant, or you want grandma to die. Uh, brother, I pound nails for a living, and if I don't work, I don't eat.
3: You know what? I'm so glad that you said it wasn't a partisan issue because, like Matthew, Mahoney, Matthew McConaughey said, to, um, said the other day, he's sick that it has um, turned into a partisan issue where you know it's left versus right, Democrats versus Republicans. It's like a whole lot of these people out here are hurting, and they don't care what party it is, because they look, they want stuff, they want food on the table, they want to go back to work, they want to be able to provide for their family, they want to be able to walk up and down the street without the fear of of, of being um, um, uh, put in jail or. Or um, handcuffed, or, or reported, or something, and and it's like all you see on television, all you see on social media, are tribal reservation uh, uh, um, uh, social justice warriors uh, fighting back and forth. There's no winner here. There's no winner. Even though people claim they are, Jesse, you know, look, I beat you. You didn't beat
2: nobody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who's
3: here. Who's
2: winning? Who's winning right now? Is it? Right. Is it the people? Right. Everybody's getting wiped out. And Wayne, I got to be honest, man. I, I, I've been frustrated with our own side. I have been. I, I've been, I have dis- too. I've been I have disappointed too. because, and here's why. There are so many people I admire in, in this business and, and people who talk about, you know, thinkers, if you want to call them influencers. But I I think is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. But, but you know, <laughs> pundits, politicians, whatever it may be. But people who for years I've listened to, I've read, I'm sure like you have. And you learn about yeah. the Constitution and freedom and liberty and government's yep. role. And the second a virus breaks out, it's please, daddy, government, lock me down. Oh, my
3: God. Yes. Yes. Lock me down. Give me, give me, um, I haven't got my, I haven't got my check yet. <laughs> I want my check. I want another check. And, and, and what, and what's really killing me is that uh, the fiscal conservatives have lost their, have, have gotten laryngitis mm-hmm. because nobody is talking about all the money that all these people are, I mean, I don't even know where this money's coming from, Jesse. I mean, you know, I, I was raised, to, to to um to know that money doesn't grow on trees, but golly man, it 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 has to be made on some type of island around here. Mm-hmm. You know, Nancy Pelosi already talking about another three, th- another three trillion dollars for businesses, but that doesn't have anything to do with the two trillion dollars that she wants for infrastructure. And they already passed three trillion already, plus another less than five hundred billion. I, look, you know what? I'm sick. I'm
2: sick. I am. I'm sick. Wayne, how did we get here as a nation where we accepted it? And it's not just it's not just the fiscal part, which which I've been screaming about too. I, I can't believe we're going to actually collapse the dollar over this thing. But the loss of freedom part. How did we get to a place in America where people on the left and right? We'll hear a governor mayor say, okay, well go home and shut your business. And everybody just kind of turns around and does it instead of a collective, uh, <laughs> go screw yourself. You don't have the authority to tell me to do that. You know what? It's,
3: it, it's almost been a progression. It's almost been a progression. It started. I mean, well, I don't even know when it started. It, it probably started before me. Maybe it started with the television. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, but, uh, Freedoms have been taken away uh, piece by piece. They've been picking and prying, and they've done it so so beautifully that people don't recognize it anymore. They don't recognize it. It's like it's almost like these uh, 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 these these problems that you see on TV. Uh, oh. Once you see too many of them, you turn your head or you don't care about it anymore. American, the American people are tuned out. They they don't understand. They don't see. It it doesn't it doesn't um, register when this is happening. Uh, and, and then when it happens, Jesse is like, "Wait a minute. How did this? Where did this come from?" You know. William. I mean, you know the ground the groundwork has been laid uh, years ago. Is um, but these government officials have. Has, have um, been pouring in cement the whole time and no, and nobody says anything. Nobody responds. Nobody fights back. Nobody marches. Nobody tries to vote out these crooks. And
2: that's the, that's what I see, Jeff. Wayne, how does it end? I, 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 I think I know the answer. I don't, I don't love the answer because I, I read history all the time and I know how this ends. But do you see any will for a real political movement of, no, I don't care – I want adults in charge. I want to spend actually less than we make. I want to get back to a small government. Do you see an actual will for that? I mean, let's be honest. Even things like the Tea Party lasted about five minutes before it became a big scam. Every movement becomes yeah. a big scam. That's that's just the nature of it. They all have women's rights, civil rights, Tea Party movement. You name the movement, it lasts about five minutes pure, and then it's a gigantic grift. So is there some appetite for something to change? Pitchforks and fire sticks, man. That's the only, that's the
3: only thing that's going to change Washington, D.C. is pitchforks and fire sticks. Because, number one, Jesse, they already don't listen to you on the American people on the phone. You know, all this. Well, call your congressman. Well, the congressman do not pick up the phone, mm-hmm. they just let it go in the voicemail. Well, we're going to visit our congressman. Okay, well, you go visit him. Uh, uh, well, thank you. thank you for coming, but I got to go vote. So, the only way is pitchfork and fire six, but, but with the way things are right now, and like, I, you know, I, I, I saw that $3 trillion thing this morning hmm. and I posted on my timeline. I was like, trillions, it's a new billion. They don't care. Yes. It, you know, it trillions. It's a new 1000000000s they They're just throwing around that number. Like, like you know like they're pitching quarters in the water now and the american people is like eh well you know we can't do anything and so we
2: we need people like jesse why don't you run (laughs) Jeff? i'm not running i'm not running against again wayne wayne dupree the wayne dupree show where can people get you man
3: WayneDepree.com and you can also download my podcast on your podcast platform just type in wayne dupree show jesse have me on anytime i love you man
2: we'll get you back you. soon man i appreciate I, you I very much thank you wayne all
3: right
2: okay oh boy well that was less than inspiring chris you know what we need to talk about how bad cats suck and why i don't like my resources wasted I don't get people fired up today, Chris. (laughs) Let's go ahead and get some hate mail rolling in. (laughs) Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. It's Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. Hang on. Naturals has all the products you need right now to improve your quality of life. It's more than just face masks. But speaking of face masks, let's be frank here. There's a very, very, very good chance you're going to need one. Because you're going to have to go to a ball game, a concert, maybe back to work, and I have some bad news for you. You might be required to wear one. Maybe you're in one of these cities where they're requiring you to wear one anyway. Maybe you're around grandma and don't want to get her sick. The truth is you need a face mask. And if you're going to wear one, why not wear a good one? Boomer Naturals has one with 92.2% antibacterial protection. And it's comfortable. It's easy to breathe. It's easy to talk. And they have ones in adult sizes and kid sizes. Go to boomernaturals.com. And when you use the code jesse two zero. You actually get 20% off every order, everything you order. Boomernaturals.com. Code is Jesse20. Speaking of wasted money, I got a bone to pick with you firemen and cops. Why is it an American tradition to save Air fingers, quote, save cats from trees. Someone explain that to me. I look, I have a story here and it's months old, but I don't do research, okay? So you're just gonna have to deal with it. Fire department, New York rescues a cop stuck in a tree trying to rescue a cat. Firefighters had to rescue an officer stuck in a tree say it received a call at 2.40 for a police officer stuck in a tree near a public elementary school at 67th and 2.30 and the 231st Street in Bayside responded with a tower ladder and found the officer and the cat about 30 feet up in the tree both were rescued safe and sound fire department says here's the question couple things on this one I'm not going to make a big thing out of it because he's a New York City cop Lord knows he deals with enough crap every single day. But brother, have some pride. Have some pride. I, as I told you yesterday, I'm not a huge fan of heights. Now, it's not this petrified, wetting my pants fear. Does the Marine Corps beat that out of me? But I'm not a fan of heights. I wouldn't want to climb a 30-foot tree. I'd never climb one for a cat, but that's another story. But even if I did climb a 30-foot tree and I found myself 30 feet above the ground and unable to safely navigate my way down, uh, brother, then I'll just sleep there until I die. Or I'll jump out of it and just shatter my legs before I have to make a call to the fire department to come get me out of a 30-foot tree. I will wrap my arms and legs around that tree like a monkey and shimmy down. Which actually, oof, now that I think about the logistics behind that, that's probably not, oof. I'd probably have somebody throw me a jock strap or something first. But anyway, I'd shimmy down the tree before I did that. But all that aside, We've seen this forever in history. And I don't get it, Chris. One, why are you taking time out of your day to go rescue a cat from a tree? In what way is that keeping the community safer at all? That's one. Two, it's a cat. The cat climbed the tree. Just because the cat is now up there and pitching a fit and a little scared to get down doesn't mean the cat is unable to get down. In fact, if you have any, any at all knowledge of cats, the cat could probably jump down and land on its feet. Otherwise, it'll get hungry or thirsty enough to come down on its own. It would be like jumping in the ocean to save a dolphin that got stranded in deep water. It's a cat. It climbs trees! I promise it can climb down! Why are you, a human being, climbing the tree to save the cat that climbs trees? I've never gotten it. Am I crazy here, Chris? Honestly, am I I've thought about it my whole life whenever I see that. What is the freaking cop doing in the tree saving the cat? Do you go to the Arctic to save penguins that are too cold? I'm so serious. Not even trying to be a jerk. What are we doing? How did this get to be a tradition in the United States of America? I'll never understand it as long as I live. I'll never understand it. Yeah. Moving on, Chris. Look, look, I'm just saying it's a waste of resources. It makes no sense. And I realize we live in a more touchy-feely society than I myself relate to. I understand that I have certain personality defects. Chris, do we have that? That, That's the whitest kids you know. I'm Clint Webb. Pull that up. Let's play that. Do we have time to play that before the break? Oh, dang it. All right. We haven't played this in ages. And it is one of my favorite things in the world. I mean, I have played it on my show a dozen times. I'm telling you right now, you're probably going to hear this once every three months. That's how much I love this. And what it is, <laughs> they do like this parody skit, this parody commercial of somebody running. For, I think he's running for Senate or Congress. And what makes it so great is it is all true. Every single bit of it is so true that it makes it some of the best comedy I've ever heard. And I wasn't actually being racially insensitive there. The group, the comedy group, they're a group, right, Chris? The comedy group is called The Whitest Kids You Know. (laughs) And I don't know if they've ever done anything funny after that. I don't know if they ever did anything funny before that. But if they only leave one mark on the history of mankind... It will be this amazing, amazing campaign parody. And I think the thing is like 20 years old and it's still funny. (laughs) You know, we're getting hate mail from the cat people, Chris, you know, we're getting hate mail from the cat people. (laughs) Oh, and by the way, did you look up my flight to New Zealand? Is it brutal? All right. We have to talk about that too. In a great parody and maybe some headlines. Hang on a sec. There is nothing, nothing worse than an unexpected car bill. You know what I'm talking about? Engine trouble. Transmission blue. Because those costs you didn't see coming. You can't budget for them. If I'm on the way home today and something goes wrong in my truck's engine, uh, I didn't have that in the budget for this month. That hurts, right? What if you could make those costs go away? Does that sound appealing to you? I thought so. If you own a car, truck, or SUV, Made from 1999 or higher, there's a chance—a chance—you can stop paying for car repairs. And I don't just mean engine and transmission. I'm talking roadside assistance, towing. Tell I me mean, that's not expensive. Car rental, oil changes. You need to dial star star one two four four. Again, that's star star one two four four. It's called Protect My Car, and they can stop that disastrous bill from hammering you. Star Star 1244 four, protect my car. Do not forget if you missed any part of the show, the history be opening opened well, a little long today. <laughs> I had a lot to cover. Shut up. It's my show. i do whatever I want. <laughs> if you missed any part of the show, oh, I just snorted. Did you hear that on live, t- on live radio, Chris? <sniffs> That's good stuff right there. They say I'm the next Paul Harvey, not to brag or anything like that. Anyway, with distracting me. The whole show is available on iHeart. It's on Google. It's on Spotify. Or it's on iTunes and you guys have been killing it. Subscribe on iTunes, leave it a five star review. They actually do like that. And make sure in your review you talk about how handsome I am. That part they don't like. And these emails are getting hilarious. You know what I might start doing? I'll have to get permission though. I might start publicizing the emails I'm getting of management being mad about you talking about how handsome I am. <laughs> I don't know what their problem is. They say it's unprofessional. It's serious. (laughs) Hang on. I'll play you this parody. Hang on.
0: Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show.
2: I just thought of something and I'm upset. What I am, I'm extremely upset. I'm, n- I'm not. Not like throwing things, upset, but I'm close. I'm really, really, really close, and I'm gonna I'm gonna explain why in a second. It's gonna be a message to you, waitresses out there. But first, before we get to the, what I'm seriously very upset about, we have to talk about the greatest campaign parody ad that has ever been written. Sit back, ladies and gentlemen, and enjoy Clint Webb.
0: I'm Clint Webb, and I'm running for Senate. I have a short cropped haircut, a pretty enough yet accessible looking wife, and a newborn baby that I've dressed in a suit to prove to you that I mean business. For the last 15 years, I've lived my life in such a bland, uncontroversial, and repressed manner that it's almost unnatural. Why? Because I've been preparing to be your representative since I was a child. Most well-adjusted, sane men would be hesitant to take a job where their decisions would so drastically affect the lives of so many. But not me. I possess a sort of sociopathic narcissism that makes me think that I should be in charge of everyone. But all of that needs to start here at home, in this beautiful state that I've grown to love since I moved here 18 months ago. Together we can piggyback some of our state's legitimate needs onto my unquenchable lust for self-glorification. And that's a promise. Here's an unflattering picture of my opponent. Here's a quote of his taken out of context. Oh, and one more thing. I have a dog. I enlisted in the military for the minimum amount of time in a position that would never see combat. Why? Well, because it would help me be your senator. I don't make friends. I make acquaintances. All of my motives are ulterior. I'm self-involved to the point of psychosis. My soul is terrifying. And that's leadership. So this November, let's send Washington a message. And what is that message? Hey. Me.
2: <laughs> I'm self-involved to the point of psychosis. That part kills me. <laughs> Every part of that is so good, man. It is so good. All right. Waiters and waitresses. We need to have a a little discussion. Now, full disclosure. I am a sauce man. I am a condiment man. I said condiment, Chris. Grow up, idiot. I like... A good spicy mayo. I enjoy a good a good queso. I enjoy a good, you know secret sauce. I, I I like these things. I like different dressings. I like blue cheese with my wings. Shut up, Chris. I dip my my fries in ranch. I know that's weird. I dip my pizza in ranch sometimes. Try it one time before you yell at me. It doesn't matter the reasons why. The point is, I'm a sauce man. Maybe you are a sauce man. One of my friends has said before, and I don't know that I would take it this far, but clearly a sauce lover like myself, he said, virtually all food is just a vehicle for sauce. You're just trying to get different sauces in your mouth. So, now that restaurants are opening back up, Times are tough. There's going to be heavy competition out there to get the, the business you can, to get things rolling again. So restaurant managers, pay attention. You need to have a meeting with your waiters and waitresses, and you need to have a serious discussion with them. And this is what you need to say. When a customer asks... For a side of fill-in-the-blank sauce with his or her meal, bring them the sauce. I know what I just said, by the way, sounds sounds like a no-brainer, right? Well, that's because you aren't a sauce person. If you're a sauce person, here's how you live your life. This is almost every single restaurant you go to. And I, I'm, it's not even a, a high-end or low-end thing. I have experienced this at my low-end white trash restaurants, which you know are near and dear to my heart. I have experienced this at the fancy highfalutin steakhouses that I get to eat at whenever someone else is buying. What, Chris? You're not the only cheap one here. I'm not paying those prices. Not made of money. I order a burger and fries. One example. I'd like my cheeseburger. I'd like it with American cheese because I'm not a communist. No, I don't need the side of fruit. I would just like some French fries. This is America. Oh, and I would like a side of ranch with my French fries. I look at the waiter or waitress right in the eyes as I teach my sons to do. Burger, American cheese, fries, side of ranch, please without hesitation they look at me and say okay alright I got it okay good deal they bring me my meal no ranch they never it, I'm. it's over 90% of the time they bring the meal no ranch they set it down in front of me I look Cause it's a joke. It's a running joke in the family now. Cause everyone knows. And obviously I don't yell and scream at the wait staff or anything like that. Cause I'm not a jerk, but everybody knows I'm just going to sit there frustrated and everyone knows what's coming. So now my kids are even in on it. And my wife is too. And they'll start, dad, do you think they're going to bring the ranch? I said, they're not going to bring the ranch. And one of them will be, they might bring it this time. I'm, we're, we're, everybody knows they're not bringing the ranch. And the wife will be like, you're ridiculous. She wrote it down. This'll be the time, you know, because women are so nice. This time's the time. Of course she's gonna bring it. Boop. Plate set in front of me. No ranch. And the boys will start snickering and start, I start whacking them. The wife will just kind of cringe because she knows. And inevitably I'll be, uh and they'll set everything down as if everything's fine. Okay, can I bring you anything else? Actually, yes, you could uh, You could bring the ranch I asked for 20 minutes when I ordered my food. Oh, oh, This every time, every single time it's this too. Oh, that's right, I'll, I'll get right back. I'll, I'll bring it right back. And sometimes they bring it right back. Sometimes you'll actually see them dropping plates off at other tables and such. Meanwhile, for a sauce man, not judging you if you're not a sauce man or woman, for a sauce man... You've ruined my fries until I get my sauce. If it's something like pizza and I'm in a mood, brother, I'm not eating until you bring me my side ranch. I know that sounds gross to you. Shut up. You have to try it once. But you've ruined... It's not a... This is the problem. When you get an order of of sauce... Because you're busy, and I get it, and it's it, it, it's a busy job. You're a waiter, waitress, you deal with this all day long. It's not, unless you're a sauce man, necessarily important to you, but understand, if somebody orders something with their meal, it is critically important to them. Forget about what's important to you. It is important to them. I didn't say Hey, bring me some ranch if you remember and if you feel like it. Whenever you get a chance, I said, bring me ranch with my meal. Bring me ranch with my meal. That is the simplest of simplest requests. But the problem is human nature. Your human nature, my human nature. Well, let's be frank, my human nature has several problems. <laughs> The problem is human nature. And I used to have to lecture my sales guys when I was a sales manager about this because I used to have to keep myself in check about this. And you know what that problem is? Hang on. I'll explain. We make this mistake. People who work in retail, waiters, waitresses, people who sell RVs like I used to. People who have friends, meaning not Chris, but most everybody else. People who are married. We all make this mistake, and here's what it is. We instinctively assume somebody else cares about the things that we care about. And we assume somebody else doesn't care about the things we don't care about. It's a mistake that is common to human nature because you can say it's, well, it's because we're inherently selfish. That's probably a little harsh. Maybe there's some truth to that. But what it is, is we see everything through our own lens and you have to make yourself. Try to see things through their lens. What do they care about? And the thing is, unless you focus on making yourself do it, you can't do it. So when you're a waiter or waitress and somebody asks for an extra side of of cheese sauce, Because you would never order an extra side of cheese sauce, and frankly, it sounds kind of gross to you, and cheese sauce isn't a big deal. It doesn't even occur to you to check twice to see if the cheese sauce is there because it's unimportant to you. But the point is, it's important to them. It's why so many people struggle making conversations with people. It's why people struggle in interviews. People will sit down in a job interview, and I've seen this so many times. People will sit down, and because they're nervous, you know, you want a job, you need a job. I don't know if you've ever been in a position where you have a job interview for a job you need. That's nerve-wracking right there. It's one thing to have a job interview for, I'm kind of tired of working there. Ooh, this cool gig opened up. I'm going to try for that and not tell anybody. That's different. I'm talking bills are piling up at home. You don't have any other options. You don't have any other interviews on the table. You need to nail this interview because you have to have this job now. That's nerve wracking, isn't it? And so people walk into these interviews, seen it a million times, and they're nervous and when you're nervous you you try to prep for things and you sit down and instead of listening you talk you're so anxious to impress you're so anxious to nail it that you not only talk you'll answer their questions with things that don't directly pertain to their questions because you have a certain set of things you've memorized and always oh, gonna nail this. Oh, I practice this in front of the mirror, and I'm a self starter. So so so, John, tell me what you think about our Facebook advertising program. Well, I'm a self starter. Wait, what? That's not what I what? I didn't ask that. Because you're not listening. You're not paying attention. A great interview. I've seen great ones. I've seen some disasters. A great interview. A great person being interviewed listens. Don't go in with what you care about. Don't go in with what you think they care about. Go in listening to what they're asking you. Pay attention. Tell me what... uh Tell me what your plans are for, for, for branching out. If you get this sales job, in what way are you going to help us get into this neighboring city? Well, as you can see from my last sales numbers, I t- I, I didn't ask anything about your last sales numbers. What? That's not what. Tell me how you're branching out. People do this in conversation all the time. At casual conversations. You, you've been to these parties in your neighborhood. I certainly have. Still go to them all the time. Why do you think they're so boring? I'm especially talking to you dudes because everybody knows the neighborhood parties are for the women. Why do you think they're so boring? Because you get stuck with people who aren't. It's not that they're bad people. They're just not genuinely curious about you or anything you have going on. And they don't exactly know how to have this conversation. So what do they do? Oh, man. Little Timmy, he actually got an A-minus in algebra. And I think if he can get another A-minus next semester, that there's a chance he'll qualify for Stanford's early Oh, gosh, I've already tuned you out. I don't give a crap about your kids' college aspirations. Or if I did, I would ask. I'm not trying to be a jerk, but understand this. I am a jerk. I'm trying to help you. My jerkiness helps you. If you want to be popular in your neighborhood, popular in your college, popular in high school, popular at your work, do you know what you'll do? You won't talk. You won't brag about the things you've done, the things you're doing. You know what it takes to be popular at work, college, high school, neighborhood? Ask questions about them and listen. You can show up at a party, you can bounce around to every person in that party and ask them a question. How's, uh, how's the wife feeling? Hey, what have you done? I love what you've done with your patio. You know, we have these boring white people conversations. I love what you've done with your patio. What did you do? Who'd you use back then? Listen to his answer. Walk away. By the time you walk out of that place, if you do that to every single person, they won't necessarily talk about it, although they might. They'll be like, man, that guy, Jesse's awesome. I'm sad he left. Where'd he go? I was having so much fun with him. Why? I didn't say anything. People love to talk about themselves. They love to speak. You, if your goal is to be liked, listen. So circling clear back to what we talked about in the beginning of all this rant, if you're a waiter or waitress, if you sell cars, if you sell RVs, If you sell homes, if you're a realtor, I know we have a lot of realtors, listen more than you speak. Don't worry about what you care about. Listen to what they care about. When he orders that burger with a side of ranch, I swear to you on my life, it matters to him. It doesn't matter to you. It matters to him a lot. Pay attention and listen. Now, now that we've cleared up the ranch debate, it's time to talk about a mass execution of prisoners. What, Chris? We can switch gears on the show. And not only are we going to talk about a mass execution of prisoners, I am quite possibly going to get kicked off the air Because I'm going to openly push for a mass execution of prisoners. Are we allowed to do that on national radio, Chris? We could get in trouble for that, right? Probably going to get in trouble for that. Hear me out here. It may sound like a hypothetical. But we always look at history, don't we? Look at things that have worked, things that don't work. We look at how nations, individuals have done great things, terrible things. How they work things out. And there's there's something out there that's a consistent theme with nations. A consistent theme. The nations that put up with excessive bad behavior get a lot more of it. And the nations who don't, don't. You wanna know one of the most amazing things about the Mongol Empire that Genghis Khan built by executing forty some million people? Virtually crime free. Why? You even put up with it. Hang on a second. Boomer Naturals has face masks. They have them right now. You don't have to wait in line. You don't have to wait, wait 90 weeks for your order to get there from that big box store. You can get them right now at boomernaturals.com. And they're actually quality ones. I've seen those same gas station face masks that you've seen now where miraculously they nobody can find a good face mask. And now the gas station with bars on the windows is selling them by the cash register right next to the cigarette lighters. Do you think that's a good idea to buy that face mask? Of course not. If you need one, go to boomernaturals.com. They have adult sizes, they have kid sizes, and they have more than just face masks. They have natural products all across their website, products that will improve your quality of life naturally, not medications, not a bunch of chemicals. Go to boomernaturals.com. Use the code Jesse two zero at checkout. You save 20% off every single time. Joining my joining, joining my, joining me now, my friend, Ashcal from the daily wire. Senior editor from the Daily Wire, actually. Ash, before we get into the nitty-gritty of your new piece, give us the 30,000-foot view, Michael Flynn 101. What happened to him initially?
1: Uh, Well, right now it appears that Flynn was just set up. I mean, here's a guy who was on the transition team, was going to be national security advisor. You would kind of expect him to talk to foreign leaders, foreign ambassadors, but uh, the Obama administration had a wiretap on then-Russian ambassador Sergei uh, uh, Kislyak, right? And so they intercepted one of Flynn's calls and then decided to question him about that call asking him questions about it, even though they already knew what he said. So it was pretty clear that they just wanted to trip him up and try to get him on a lie because they wanted him out. You know, we know Obama didn't like Flynn. We know uh, there was a lot of deep state or um, career officials that didn't like Flynn's policies, right, from years ago. They wanted him out. So basically, it seems at this point that it was a huge setup to get him fired
2: why why go so hard after Flynn what was what was Obama trying to gain from this I, i've I've been asking this question of people I don't understand how the juice was worth the squeeze if you will why go after Flynn
1: Well Obama never liked Flynn so years earlier I think Flynn had uh, said something about the withdrawing from the Iraq uh, Afghanistan or Iraq war right like he had said something. That, you know, a lot of people do agree with, but Obama didn't like it, uh, and so Obama really didn't like Flynn, and a lot of people in Obama's administration did not like Flynn. They fired him, and they did not want Flynn to get back into the government either, so this, this happened, kept Flynn out of the government, and, you know, made the, uh, Obama's predecessor look bad or successor. Look bad, which is something that I don't know. Democrats seem to want when they leave the presidency that they have this setup that's just gonna gonna make whoever the next Republican in look bad. Because look, Trump comes in, um, he's obviously. I mean, no matter what he does, just being a Republican, very limited Republican stuff would turn the economy around from what Obama had done to it and so you can't have that you have to have the administration tainted by something and so the obama administration crafted this narrative that trump colluded with russia to steal the election and that still hangs over their heads even though the Mueller uh special counsel robert Mueller found no evidence of collusion
2: what's unmasking mean i feel like people say this all the time as we get into your story here your latest story People say it all the time, and I feel like most of the general public, their eyes glaze over. They don't even know what people are talking about. What does unmasking mean?
1: So basically, uh, a bunch of people from the Obama administration made unmasking requests. Um, And what that is, is that there was, uh, because they had the wiretap on the Russian ambassador's phone, they had this NSA report that, he spoke to, you know, some contact, some American official, right? But that name was redacted. So what these Obama officials wanted was to know what that who that was, who that person was. So essentially you're releasing, you know, uncovering, removing a redacted name from a report in order to get the name. Now, that happens a lot. I feel like it happened and exceptionally uh, a lot under the, the Obama administration but what really is uh, odious in the Flynn case was that his name was leaked to the press which should be a felony um because like, only certain people have the ability to request unmasking and then it's only those people that are supposed to be able to see it so one of the people who received the information about Flynn, having his name unmasked, had to have been the person that leaked it to uh, the Washington Post.
2: And who is that? Per- well, who do we think that person might be? There can't be many of them, right, Ash? I mean, there's only got to be a few.
1: Right. So we just had uh, the list of people who requested unmasking between certain dates, the unclassified. Now, the whole issue revolves around Flynn's uh December 29th, phone call, 2016, December 29, 2016 phone calls with the Russian ambassador. So you've got to kind of wonder, whoever requested the unmasking after that time, but perhaps before the Washington Post uh, article went up, which was January 12th. You would imagine that one of those people, and there's eight of them, would be the person. Although I think there might only be seven, because there's eight people. Uh, former Ambassador to the U.N. Samantha Power, which is kind of like why would she need this info at all? Um, former Director of National Intelligence James Clapper, former Treasury Secretary Jacob Lew, President Obama's Chief of Staff Dennis McDonough, former Deputy Director of National Intelligence for Intelligence Integration Michael Dempsey, former Principal Deputy Director of National Intelligence Stephanie O'Sullivan, an unnamed CIA official, And former Vice President Joe Biden. However, I will say this, Biden requested the unmasking on on, uh, January 12, 2017, which is the same day the Post article went up. Now, could have come from them, but I feel like the way that articles tend to work in these publications might not have been Biden. But still a possibility. I feel like the list has been narrowed.
2: What are the people who are on that list who really shouldn't be on that list? What's their explanation? Like you brought up Samantha Power. What possible explanation could these people have or anybody really to unmask him? Why unmask it all? What's what's the justification?
1: Right. Well, that's something we don't know. (laughs) Like, why did you need, like, uh, Kislyak's phone, like, you know what they talked about. So why did you need to know the name? Like, nothing in that phone call was illegal. You know? I mean, it was transition team stuff.
2: Okay, okay mean, so it. is he free now? What, what's happening now? Is he free?
1: Yeah. Michael Flynn, the, uh, the Department of Justice, has dropped the charges against Flynn, although there is a federal judge that is trying to keep them going. So Flynn's kind of out of the water, but not totally out of the water.
2: All right. Now, does this lead, Ash, you've, you've been doing this for a while. Does this lead to somebody get, actually getting in real trouble in the Obama administration? I'm under no illusion that Barack Obama is going down for it or any of the other things we like to convince ourselves of. But is somebody, anybody, Brennan, Coleman, Comey, Clapper, no. anybody? Never. Ah. Never.
1: These people got CNN contracts. These people got book deals. These people are lauded as heroes. These people are completely protected. If Trump administration actually goes after them and actually holds them accountable for one of their crimes, the media will rush to their defense. We also saw this. Flynn is a, somehow a monster for allegedly lying to FBI agents, whereas Andrew McCabe did the same thing, and he gets a book deal and a CNN gig. You know, like there's completely different standards here. And as we know, truly, nobody in the government ever gets held accountable for what they've done. Even though Trump is calling for it, even though the American people are sick of this kind of stuff happening, nothing really gets done. Nothing ever really gets done.
2: Dang it, Ash. All right. Ash Daily Wire. Go read her stuff. She does great stuff on colleges. I actually meant to get to that today, but I got a little long-winded. Thank you, Ash.
1: Thanks for having me on.
2: Appreciate it. I keep waiting for somebody to tell me what I want to hear, but instead they're all telling me the truth. Where do they get off? (laughs) Anyway, back to these prisoners. Well, let me explain. Headline, this is from defenseone.com. Time to get in trouble, Chris. A mass breakout of ISIS from Syrian prisons remains a risk, Pentagon Watchdog says. Thousands of thousands of ISIS fighters held by the Syrian Democratic Forces in Syria continue to pose a high impact risk of mass breakout. But since the U.S. withdrawal from northwestern Syria, U.S. forces do not have access to prison facilities to assess the severity of that risk. Why are there still thousands of ISIS guys in prison? I mean, we've talked about this on the air before. All the death and destruction out there we talk about in human history because it's fascinating. I mean, we've talked about all of it, haven't we? And we will continue to. That's just, I've always found it to be fascinating. And you do too. I mean, The Holocaust, everything. You get that ISIS very likely is the most evil group that ever existed, right? I mean, you get that. You don't put them on the same scale as the Nazis because they didn't have the infrastructure. They didn't have the brains to pull it off. They didn't have the facilities. They didn't, they, they couldn't quite pull it off, but ISIS would have done that in much, much worse and much, much worse. I'm not going to go into the details. Of the things they did to women, children, pregnant women, but ISIS was flat out demonic, demonic. What message are we sending to the rest of the world? Not us as Americans, but the world, the free world, relatively free world in general, when we just have thousands of them sitting in a prison we at least had the guts had the guts after World War II to put Nazi camp guards on trial right? I mean, um, no you don't get to execute 6 million Jews and then just say oh, I was just a guard And no, you're going on trial and we are going to hang you You're going to die for that. Die for that. We lack the will to put ISIS fighters on trial and send them to the gallows? I'm not talking about something without even any due process, which you can certainly make the argument is better than they deserve. But we can't start having trials? Why is the world still hand-wringing? About what to do with ISIS prisoners? Do you do you people need to go back and read what these people did? These people were monsters. Monsters in human form. I've told you before, and we'll say it again. I've said repeatedly that the worst people in human history that you like to imagine are are these, you know, subhumans, they were just like you and me. They were flesh and blood, that there was a a list of circumstances and oftentimes some serious, obviously moral failings, but there's a list of circumstances that led them eventually to becoming what they became. I swear on my life, the only group I've ever seen that led me to doubt that was these people and the things they did to Christians, to Jews, to other Muslims, all across Iraq and Syria. Uh, uh, Monstrous things. And they were proud of it. These people were monsters, and we finally beat them, and the war's over, and we're worried about a breakout? We should be worried about the rope breaking and nothing else. I I can't believe what I'm seeing. I cannot believe what I'm seeing. And and of all things, I'm sure it's probably just because the world is watching Syria. People, what are you good for if not for some war crimes? I mean, that's the one thing I would at least assume you're good for over there. So a little draconian criminal justice. What, everybody else gets their fingernails pulled out and ISIS gets three meals a day? I don't even understand what we're doing here. What's that? Is that out of line? I get eat probably. Probably a little bit, Chris. We're fine. We're fine. What's some more complaints? (laughs) Don't forget the whole show available on iHeart, Google, Spotify. It's available on iTunes. If you're an iTunes person, subscribe, leave a five-star review, and you know what the most important part is. Leave a review talking about how handsome I am. That part is critical for the future of the show. (laughs) Well, here's an issue. I had a lot to talk about today. I didn't get to it. I'm going to try to motor through as much as I can in this last two minutes. Hang on a sec. I love a good night's sleep. There's something special about it. I know that may sound small. It may sound short-sighted. Maybe it sounds, I don't know, ridiculous to you. But tell me, when you wake up the next day and you had that great night's sleep, do you not just wake up and hear the birds singing, even if there aren't any? Because you know, I'm rested. My mind is sharp. I'm going to be in a better mood. My health is going to be better. Sleep is essential. It's one of those things you need in life. And now you can get a better night's sleep with Ebb Sleep. Ebb Sleep goes after those racing thoughts that keep you awake. It provides continuous, precise cooling to your forehead area, which puts you to sleep faster and keeps you asleep longer. Go to tryeb.com slash Jesse. Use the code Jesse at checkout. You actually get 25 bucks off every time. Tryeb.com slash Jesse. Use the promo code Jesse at checkout. Go get an Ebb Sleep today. Honestly, I don't know why this is so controversial. I thought I was being nice. I mean, kind of nice. Let's, what capital punishment is not part of what we do anymore? And I'm not even... I mean, I shouldn't say I'm not a death penalty guy. It's the only issue out there. I don't have a firm footing on, which is really wishy-washy, but I'll have a moment where I see the government kept some dude in prison for 30 years and executed him about five minutes before DNA evidence comes out and shows the dude had nothing to do with it at all. And I'm all, dude, can we get rid of the death penalty? Come on now. Government sucks too bad to do it right. And then there'll be some dude who hurt a bunch of kids. And I'm like, I I mean, I'll pull the lever if you want. I've got spare time. I'll take a vacation day. It's this. So, but I mean, it, it, it's ISIS. Surely, surely we can get rid of ISIS. (laughs) All right. Is tomorrow Friday, Chris? It is. Oh man. This week flew by. It's that way. When I'm awesome like this, we'll do an ask. Dr. Jesse Friday, so if you have any questions, as you know by now, and I mean any questions, write me jesse at com. That's jesse at com. We'll have some fun tomorrow. That's all.
0: Jesse Kelly show.
2: You don't have to dip forever. You know that right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long, and what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Ah, it's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey, and I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch, that didn't work. Gum sunflower seeds I, I tried it all it's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit that's Jake's mint chew go put in your dip just make sure it's Jake's mint chew it's tobacco free it's nicotine free it's even sugar free and I highly recommend just a personal choice I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off get a jake's mint chew.com that's Jake's mint chew.com make sure you use the promo code jesse at checkout when you do that you get 10 percent off hey
1: have you ever used cheapo air
2: for
0: years and i really like it with cheapo air you can book online use their app or even over the phone they've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations they're my go-to for travel planning and if you join their club miles program
1: you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air.
0: Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.
2: testosterone fueled again maximize your masculinity today at choq.com use the code jesse for a massive discount on any chalk subscription for life choq.com code jesse limited time offer subscription cancelable at any time
1: tired of restless nights at lisa we know good sleep is essential for mental physical and emotional health